0: Greetings, mortal denizens of the doomed planet Earth. If you are hearing this message, then you are now able to perceive the podcast known as Which Is More? I am Xanthor, an interdimensional being born outside the confines of your reality, whose species has been charged with observing and documenting the many doings of every sentient life form throughout the cosmos. As luck would have it, I was sent to watch over your world. The thing is, for the first couple million years, things were pretty interesting. But then, around the time Pangea broke into separate continents, I'll admit, I got kind of bored and may have stopped paying attention. Now, as you probably already know, your civilization is crumbling, and your planet is on the verge of ecological collapse. So that's pretty much a wrap on you guys. Unfortunately though, I'm still responsible for cataloging your entire cultural legacy without much time left to do so. Therefore, I have enlisted the services of the most generic human being I could find, an American man-child by the name of Pete Musto. His natural laziness, surprising ignorance, and overall mediocrity make him the perfect vessel through which to filter everything humanity has to offer, without pretension or value judgment. However, I also kind of already used up much of my capacity to document your species after spending hundreds of thousands of years recording whatever jellyfish have been up to. What can I say, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact they weren't eventually going to be the dominant organism. So each week, my co-host and I will call upon two experts to help us decide, through heated debate, once and for all what is the best example of a given aspect of the human experience, worthy of one of the few remaining spots in what will be the eternal accounting of what it means to be an Earthling. This week, our experts are Max Wolfson and Andrew Hall. Max is a comedian who has performed on the Benson Ball and Portland, Maine Comedy Festivals. He is also one-sixth of the DC-based comedy collective known as the Midnight Gardeners League. Which has the latest installment in its series of audio sketches called MGL Radio out on Spotify now. Andrew is also a comedian and fellow member of the Midnight Gardeners, and the sketch he wrote and directed, titled Trash Man, received special recognition at the Baltimore Comedy Festival. His new podcast, Hi, Buy, and ready to die publishes every Thursday. If you enjoy the impassioned squabbling you are about to hear, please subscribe to Which Is More with Pete Musto and Xanthor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us at Which Is More Podcast on Instagram and Which Is More One on Twitter. Now, please enjoy the only podcast that aims to identify everything about humanity worth saving as the end of the world rapidly approaches.
1: Welcome back to Which Is More. I'm your host, Pete Musto. And with me today are my two good friends, Max Wolfson. Hello. And Andrew Hall. Hello as well. So today we are going to talk about uh movies particularly the movies of one actor by the name of sean william scott he's uh known for playing stifler in all three american pie movies as well as 2008's role models and 2011's goon the two movies we're going to discuss today are earlier on in his career 2000's dude where's my car and 2001's evolution um, but before we get into those movies, I wanted to talk to you guys first about why we're talking about Sean William Scott. <laughs> um, so why do you guys think that that his work is worth entering into the, the record of all human culture?
2: Um, well, I'll, I'll just jump in first really quick to say, I think in in a certain way, we're kind of always talking about Sean William Scott, whether or not we want to admit that as a society. Um, so I think we also are... Um, Two sort of different different people, obviously, but from the same ca- subcategory of, like, American dumbass. And and Sean William Scott is a really big piece of that, um, you know, coming up culturally, I think, for both of us. And I, I've, I'm a, I've always been a big fan. I went to um, SWF Sean William by Scott, which is his festival, much like South by Southwest. <laughs> um that he runs uh well i don't know if he runs it but uh there is a cardboard it may not
1: it may not be run by him that's interesting uh,
2: well you know i don't know there is a cardboard cut out of him there so i don't know if that was because he couldn't make it or what but uh got to take a picture with that Uh, and then of course i burned that picture because all possessions are impermanent so i think uh and i'm I'm also making
1: it impossible to prove that you were actually there
3: Oh, no, it's provable. I, that's where I met Max originally.
2: Yeah, that is that is how <laughs> we first... You guys met
3: at, at Sean William Scott Fest? Yeah. Sha- <laughs>
2: Sean William by Scott. Sean William by
3: Scott. It's like South by Southwest. What don't you get? <laughs> no, I, I understand I remember... that
1: perfectly, and all the listeners also, I, understand that perfectly, too. I don't want to get
2: into the politics of it, but Sean William Scott Fest is another... It's a different, lesser festival It's not even lesser sanctioned.
3: people. <laughs> I mean, me and Max have gone, but like just to make fun of those guys. Uh, yeah. okay we did cool. some undercover well,
2: videos
1: um we have two sean william scott hipsters on the show today real experts of the material we're going to be talking about um when people think of sean william scott they think of stifler i think like most commonly but like these two examples are interesting when did you first see dude where's my car andrew
3: and wh- what was that experience like i was <laughs> I feel like I was, I'm sure we're all familiar with the song Amazing Grace, and I feel like I was like lost and blind before.
0: Wait, are you saying this Sean William Scott has the ability to nullify human senses?
3: Before Dude where's My Car, because that was my first introduction to Sean William Scott. Um, I, was, I, I was raised in the South, and American Pie is too risque. You know, like PG-13 humor was allowed in the home once I was 13. And so I got a little late jump to Dude Where's My Car. Uh, but it still resonated as someone who had never smoked weed. Uh, I still found it to be hilarious in the years that I saw it. And it was one of those movies akin to uh, Dumb and Dumber, where I was quoting it constantly, but you know, with more fervor because it stands the test of time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of falls into that category of you know like bill and ted or um dumb and dumber like yes. the duo two stupid guys get into a wacky adventure
3: uh, yeah god and satan you know it's just like <laughs> the two juggernauts two wacky guys god and <laughs> satan well we don't know that they're guys but uh true well
1: max how did you first um see evolution what was that like
3: for you
2: um i
3: did you see it with your eyes yeah
2: because i didn't have to ask dude where's my car uh, I'd seen Dude Wears My Car in the basement of a friend who later become uh, became a juggalo. Um, and so that was, you know, part of my shot. Is that 100% movie. true? Yes, that's 100% true. I watched that movie in the basement of a friend of mine who became and might remain a juggalo. So I won't name <laughs> them for, I'm going to say my safety.
3: Um, <laughs> once, you're in the, once you're in the family, you're never yeah, out. Yeah, you
2: can't, blood in, blood out. Um, but I, I definitely, there's like that period of time in sort of my early adolescence where it felt like Sean William Scott was in every single movie. Um, and I think that might be true that he was if you look in the background of every movie made between like 2000 and 2005
0: in addition to his sense nullifying powers this Sean William Scott is omnipresent
2: No, Xanthor he just has good representation um But I saw Evolution in the theaters, and I loved it so much that I made my dad take me back, and especially having rewatched it just for this, I think it's particularly funny because it's not a great movie, but... (laughs) it uh it also is like so clearly supposed to be ghostbusters like that's like what it is aping exactly and as a kid I didn't even realize that in part because I was just enraptured by sws Mm -hmm. so uh and I think he's he's uh truly as I rewatched it the only sympathetic character (laughs) in the like (laughs) of the main characters he's the only one who isn't an asshole he's the only one who has a reason you should root for him and so I think it's a perfect because you know something really important happened between when dude where's my car came out and when evolution came out i think and that's 9 11 um and either it had just happened or was about to happen and either way i think you can see that reflected in the more serious tone um Mm. and i also think evolution is a trenchant warning about coronavirus um you can really (laughs) see it really sells a what we could have done if only we'd had a team of wacky science friends.
1: Tell me, which of the alien creatures do you think represents Osama bin Laden?
2: Definitely the mosquito that uh, gets into <laughs> his suit and that they have to remove uh, rectally with a pair of forceps. <laughs> um, because that's um, sort of the, the you could say the butt is the uh, butthole is the original spider hole. in many ways.
1: <laughs> So true. I really wish I knew what a spider hole was, but um, where they found Saddam. Oh, OK. <laughs> Surprisingly cool. See, this is what, what podcasts are supposed to be entertaining and educational. Um, yeah, so SWS is actually kind of an interesting guy. You can say that again.
2: Love that we're just calling him that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he was born in Cottage Grove, Minnesota, um, and he grew up not far from the mall where they filmed mall rats. Um,
2: uh, that's why you can see him in the background.
1: Yeah, he's a little kid. That's when his film career <laughs> yeah, started. He um, wrote Mallrats. Yeah. Um, you can tell that that's why the humor does not age well. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he was just a kid. You know, it's not like he was an adult. Like yeah, it's, an early, it's early
1: work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he moved to L.A. in the 80s to to start his career, actually, in 1989 on his way to audition for Baywatch. He was robbed by some South Central L.A. gang members who stole his shirt, shoes, and a $1 bill. Um, He also did not get the part on Paywatch.
3: Well, that's because when he went to the audition, he told the lifeguards, hey, you got to catch these guys. And they kept saying, we're actors. And he was just like, he was so method at the time that... He was trying to get the lifeguards to find those robbers. <laughs> and it was just this big miscommunication with production. So they didn't can him. They made him a plot in one of the later season finales. I feel like he's also, he's
1: probably pretty ripped, right? If he showed up to a Baywatch adi- audition. He shredded as, he shredded as yeah, cheddar, dude, my man. He, I feel like he would, if he showed up at a Baywatch audition with no shirt on, he should get the
3: part, right? If I show up at a Baywatch, people are definitely not watching me, Bay. <laughs> <laughs> um... Also, uh, after filming
1: American Pie, uh, he was still working at the L.A. Zoo. And, um, Wait, he what?
3: Doing what? He was the human exhibit. <laughs> just standing there. He was the
1: churro guy. He was like running, selling churros out of a
3: car to Well, no, LA. he was
2: THE churro guy, <laughs> yeah. is what you mean to say.
3: And they kept him behind the bars, and they were like, this <laughs> yeah. is a churro man. <laughs> yes. Well,
2: no, it was actually just churros that were stacked in front of him, but he would get confused and <laughs> thought that he was one of the exhibits, so...
3: He wouldn't need his way out because management has a strict eating <laughs> policy. This has
2: a, a, a ramification for the movie that I chose because part of him being the only sympathetic character is that, in addition to wanting to be a firefighter, um, his day job appears to be being the manager of all the pool boys at a country club. Yeah, and I so he's treated extremely cruelly by the rich. Um, again, it's a it's sort of a parable of like millennials being disenfranchised in the workforce, um, you know, and having a dream that you know he wants to be a fireman cuz that's a stable comes with a pension you know you might die whereas if you're a pool boy you'll just be alive forever and you have to keep doing that job
3: um
2: so
1: i think that segues well um into the second part of this mm. this fact is that while he was working at the uh LA zoo and his career had not yet really taken off despite the success of american pie he wasn't sure about what he was going to do with his acting career until an ape threw a pine cone at him. And that's what decided that's what pushed him to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm quitting my job at the zoo. Well, I'm going to be an
2: actor full time. That's not the full story
3: <laughs> because he had this altercation with the ape. And then one of the minor plot lines in Dude, Where's My Car? Is that he learns and grows from watching a chimpanzee on television. What's up? Animal
1: Animal planet. <laughs> Man, I just had the craziest
3: dream. About what? Because Mm -hmm. Sean William Scott and Dude Where's My Car is a genius, but he is surrounded by the worst influence, which is Ashton Kutcher. And his personal genius and individual stamina sustains throughout the movie. And his biggest foil is trusting a straight white man. Ah, okay. So, and I feel like that it really embodies who he is. But that that ape throwing that pine cone was the original source material when he took the Meisner route to figure out how to play Chester and dude where's my car how to learn how to to learn that's the thing you you don't know this
2: unless you go to the fests like we do and you find out the real Uh, story on
3: that pine cone was
2: written a message and it said Sean you're wasting your time here get that beautiful (laughs) body on celluloid signed an ape and then on the (laughs) other side of the pine cone was the entire word for word verbatim script of dude where's my car
3: mm. and yeah, he used to do bench press with that ape That's do bench over, press shredded, like the cheddar <laughs> he,
1: he, he do bench press um he That's also what the gorilla called it <laughs> <laughs> i'm only using their words well not only is he ripped but also because he just died.
2: like
1: <laughs> he's also uh just like the fucking man because he did all of his own stunts and even went through intense martial arts training for the 2003 chow yun fat movie bulletproof monk which Which, shreds yeah yeah. and to know that he was like actually fucking
3: doing his stunts in that movie sws you were the fucking man
1: you do deserve to be in the ultimate record of human history. Um, you see
3: him in the rundown versus the Rock, and he holds his own—not just as a shredded piece of meat, man, but as a comedic punch-for-punch punch action genuinely, actor.
2: It's about time that they get him into the Fast and the Furious verse, especially now that they've spun mm. off Hobbs and Shaw, and they've got like oh, Kevin yeah. Hart and people in that movie. Sean Williams—he's yeah, a natural could fit. Absolutely, anchor a solid ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So sws apparently considers the
1: dukes of hazard and mr woodcock to be the worst movies he's ever made uh, yeah, yeah it
2: seems like he has a good self-assessment
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i thought I, I feel like i remember liking mr woodcock it's like it's all isn't it all about how um what the fuck is that guy's
3: um, billy
2: bob thornton
1: billy yeah.
3: bob th- billy bob thornton's fucking his mom or something
2: yeah i think you may have hit on the flaw
3: that was in his uh personal life as well so that's why that film was so uh, hard for him because billy bob also goes raw and i'm not just saying with his mom i'm saying with his characters well and he is
2: he's also a method actor so billy bob thornton did replace his penis with a wooden facsimile during the filming of that movie so he literally was mr wood <laughs> um also, uh, Dukes of Hazard was fucking awful.
1: I, I remember seeing it, but like I can remember nothing about it because it was so bad.
2: I, I remember it, I seeing it in high school when it was like a big deal to like go out and go to a movie and um, being mad that I wasted my time out of the house <laughs> seeing it. So correct assumption, Shawnee.
1: Um, so... Apparently he and Jason Biggs won the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss in two thousand two for American Pie 2. So look at SWS. He's a fucking
3: buy icon. Which which is the which is his second mail on mail makeout scene because Dude Wears My Car mail on Mail Makeout scene was a formative and pivotal part of really? my there, journey. They, so this actually brings up a good point. Um, I've never seen dude Where
1: dude wears my car. So, I'm um, I'm gonna lean on you a lot, Andrew, <laughs> to
2: help me. Know. Oh, good, that yeah. seems fair. Lean on me uh, when they're
1: not he's strong. He's not biased. Yes. <laughs> um, but is there a scene where he and Ashton Kutcher make out in that movie? Absolutely. Oh wow, I did not know that. Okay.
3: And they and then even in the outtakes at the end of the movie, there's a longer kiss.
1: Whoa! It, it's, it's very much a, um, a um,
3: 2003
2: era thing could could you imagine two two men like each other
3: Um,
2: that the fun like every adam sandler thing where it's like the funniest thing is gay the idea (laughs) of
3: gay can you even believe that people like that and it's like "Mm, believe it or not Um, but that kiss is very powerful it's against fabio they out macho fabio uh and sean william scott I i believe embodies american culture in that whole movie (laughs) <laughs> wow,
2: what a damning indictment of your own case
3: <laughs> but all the good parts
1: not the baseball parts this is interesting though in 2012 he claimed he didn't have a girlfriend until he was 30 because he is super shy um but he did get married in 2019
2: <laughs> what, a, what a, a nice update <laughs>
3: <laughs> well no it's just like it's a sore subject because me and max are still waiting for when our invitations were supposed to arrive yeah to his we, wedding.
2: <laughs> We want the invitations to the apology for not getting invited to his wedding.
3: We, we paid for VIP cameo tickets to a live stream of his wedding, and we never got the digital download. But we're happy for him or whatever.
1: I'm kind of surprised, that, though, that he didn't have a girlfriend until he was 30. He's a good-looking guy. Shredded. Does fucking kung fu. That, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. focused. What, what women
2: love. He does kung fu. <laughs>
1: I'm saying women in the 2000s did. I don't know about now.
3: So you speak for all women. Uh, Is that what this podcast is? Great. We've been suckered yet again. No, he's focused on his career. He wanted to give his time and attention to the right things. And it was his vast and powerful career for a long time. And then later in life, he decided, you know, what is important is the day-to-day routines that bring me joy. Which is sucking and fucking.
2: Girl, girlfriend, you know, that implies an emotional commitment. And, you know, who's not to say that he was using that hard body to go out and grate some sexual cheese? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And sexual cheese. Perhaps this sexual cheese should be considered for eternal remembrance and the ultimate record of human existence.
1: Well, I'm not going to argue with it there, Santhor. It's that's an interesting proposition, if not kind of disgusting. So our first movie we're going to talk about, Andrew was going to defend Dude, Where's My Car? Uh, Released in 2000 by 20th Century Fox, this American stoner comedy was written by Philip Stark, whose only other movie credit seems to be the never (laughs) produced sequel, Seriously Dude, Where's My Car? (laughs) Which is the fucking best title for a movie ever. And it was directed by Danny Liner, who also had a limited career probably because he died in 2014. Um, It stars Ashton Kutcher as Jesse Montgomery III, and sean william scott as chester greenberg it also features jennifer garner as wanda which is one of their girlfriends which one andrew ashton kutcher's character okay uh as well as cameos by andy dick who i feel like had a cameo in every fucking 2000 comedy 2000s comedy um and brent spinner aka my boy data um from Mm -hmm. star trek next gen uh, something that's funny is that Data actually asked to go uncredited for his role of the French ostrich farmer, Pierre, which he later admitted was arrogant. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, the, the, that, that request or his portrayal? <laughs> it's hard to tell. I would say both from a character <laughs> study. So it cost $13 million to make and grossed $73 million at the box office and and became a cult classic despite universal bad reviews calling it, quote, intensely irritating, quote, painfully unamusing. And one USA Today critic said, any civilization that can produce a movie this stupid probably deserves to be hit by famine and pestilence and look where we are now so <laughs> i'm just gonna give you guys a brief overview of the plot for those of you who, like me who have not seen it this comes from uh imdb reviewer named matthew pate matthew wrote
3: all right all right sorry i went to his funeral last year
2: <laughs> he was made into a pate
1: oh man and it was delicious but, uh, this has brought us to right cannibalism it, it feeds my soul um
2: i'll
3: eat your ass nom nom
1: so jesse and chester two bumbling stoners wake up one morning from a night of partying and cannot remember where they parked their car which prompts <laughs> great what a great
2: recap so we've we've done the whole movie
1: <laughs> uh so they that then prompts them on a journey to find it and along the way they encounter a variety of people who include their angry girlfriends wilma and wanda whose house they trashed an angry street gang a transsexual stripper hounding them for a suitcase full of stolen money, a cult of alien seeking fanatics and a group of aliens in human form looking for a mystical device that could save or destroy the world. Um, yeah, so that uh, here's my question, Andrew, this mentions, uh, a trans stripper. Is that portrayal problematic or not?
3: Well, uh, just that question alone should probably answer itself <laughs> and i'm not gonna so i'm the reason this movie should be canon for sean william scott is because as his part he plays it 10 out of 10 amazing we love you our king but very often the movies that he is are in have inherent flaws and as an artist, he finds a way to be himself and bob and weave them. Where at the end, you want to look at what is the most Sean William Scott, and that would also envelop part of a genre, which is stupidity and uh, cornball humor and American, an American idiot jackass, which is his brand, and he has championed it f- pre nine eleven.
1: He actually had a cameo in Jackass 3D, apparently,
3: and he's also on Jackass's cameo.
1: Just <laughs> call—they just call, they just call
3: uh, Bam's dad every day and fucking harass him. With like... He's he's an executive producer on that Quibby show, but <laughs> so so in the in the movie, what makes Sean William Scott the hero of the film is that he is a genius. He is the one that holds the true power, not only of his mind, but his ability to recall information and his purity of self. His worst downfall is Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher is involved in a money scheme with a stripper that they give proper pronouns to the entire film. Do they really? Yes. Okay. Um, and Sean William Scott as a character was not a part of thievery, was not a part of Uh, This carnal lust. He was merely existing near a terrible influence. And it's like being in an abusive relationship. It's very hard to get pulled out. Like when they uh, they need to get paperwork from the DMV. And they use Sean William Scott's arm instead of Ashton Kutcher's. Because he is the dominant predator. And Sean William Scott is unfortunately being mentally abused by an Ashton Kutcher character. But then at the end of the movie, Sean William Scott's mind triumphs. And that's why it embodied even though he won the movie was reviewed poorly Mm. and that's the sean william scott story
1: but here's my question though also um the only thing i do (laughs) the only thing i do really remember of this movie is a kind of vaguely racist scene with a like drive up window at a like chinese restaurant or something like that
3: yeah i'd like to
1: place an order what you like yeah i'd like uh three orders of garlic chicken and then, and then three orders of white rice. And then, and then, oh, hey, you guys want soup?
3: Sure. Want. Yeah,
1: three orders of uh, wonton soup. And then, oh, uh, some fortune cookies too. Yes, a scene
3: that uh, was an Ashton Kutcher scene oh. in the film. Uh It is an interaction that Ashton Kutcher has with a uh, drive-through voiced character that um probably wasn't aged well when it came out Mm -hmm. and certainly as a joke hasn't aged well since but i do
1: also think that that's probably if you look back at like any movie from this era there's probably something like this in it yeah you know what i mean um but yeah okay well so that's an interesting point though that you make uh i'm curious going back to your god and satan comment from before um would you say then uh that that sws is god and ashton kutcher is satan
3: in this movie, certainly. Well, no, that's... It's, well, I don't think you know enough of your New Testament to even try to draw a claim like that. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah, educate us. Uh, Satan has no authority over God. Okay. and uh, in, this, in this movie, uh, Ashton Kutcher is certainly a foil, and Sean William Scott is under his toe because of his eagerness uh, and lack of self-awareness to a bad situation because of complacency so it's it's a story of survival mm.
1: now um here's some a couple of interesting facts that i dug up about the movie number
2: one you're a liar a charlatan <laughs> and an idiot
1: <laughs> uh that comes from MaxWolfson.com. <laughs> <laughs> fact um, check true <laughs> the
3: snopes approved
1: so imdb said the film's story came from a rejected live action beavis and butthead 100%. Movie, movie concept in the early in the late 90s um which yeah that, that makes total sense
3: when you watch the film it is very much a live action cartoon jesse and chester are always in opposite outfits the way their uh sentences are structured for setup and punch lines and like clear idiot behavior and what motivates them even though they look over 21 in the movie they are clearly supposed to be 14 years old uh so yeah all it definitely checks out very beavis and butthead vibes. Uh the word car is said 62 times and the director's cut it was 69. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm sure I wonder if like when they it had 69 in the original s- script and um, I right, had 420
2: and like, in the original script
1: <laughs> and then like Ashton Kutcher or somebody was like, that's really beneath us.
2: <laughs> Sir, we are artists trying to
1: create. <laughs> um, apparently, Seth Rogen and Jake Gyllenhaal both auditioned for the leads. And I I think I could resoundly say that this movie would have sucked with either of them in it. I Yes. I don't think that anybody there would be anybody better than SWS and Ashton Kutcher in their roles.
3: I
2: would agree. I think Jake Gyllenhaal would have done great. He's a great actor.
3: Yeah, I don't know, but he would have brought Uh, that donnie darko vibe yeah people would have been mad when they get hit by cars i think he would have taken it a little too serious as a character yeah
2: Yeah. sounds like more like you're an ashton kutcher fan than a sean william scott fan is what i'm hearing
3: that well you hear what you want to hear but i didn't say it but you're not disagreeing (laughs) i disagree with everything you think except for all the positive about sean william scott (laughs) yeah all right so you made a you make an
1: interesting case, Andrew, uh, for why Dude, Where's My Car should be the ultimate ranking movie by SWS. But now let's go on to our second contender for the day, a movie called Evolution. It was released in 2001 by Columbia and DreamWorks. This American science fiction comedy was written by partners David Diamond and David Weissman, based on a story by Don Jacobi who wrote uh, a, a bunch of classics, Arachnophobia, which I oh, fucking okay. love. Yeah. Um, and John Carpenter's Vampires, which I can't remember if I've seen or not. Love John Carpenter though. The film was originally written as a serious horror science fiction film, um, which I think I think would have been fucking awesome. I think this could have really worked as like an actual scary movie, but that was until director Ivan Reitman
2: rewrote much of the script yeah, um, and just crossed out a bunch of stuff and put Ghostbusters again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Reitman is known for such comedies as Stripes, The First Two Ghostbusters, and Kindergarten Cop. So the movie co-stars David Duchovny as Professor Ira Kane, Orlando Jones as Professor Harry Block, Julianne Moore as Dr. Allison Reed, and SWS as a firefighter in training named Wayne Gray. Dan Aykroyd plays the governor of Arizona, where the movie takes place, and there are appearances by Sarah Silverman, John Cho, Ty Burrell of Modern Family in his first movie ever, and two beloved character actors, Ted Levine, the guy who played Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Um, I fucking love that guy. Uh, <laughs> and Ethan Supley. Does anybody know who that is?
3: Yeah. I of you guys know... Not he's like name. he's everybody everybody loves earl he's uh yeah. was also started in boy meets world and he's lost a bunch of weight he's like a shredded character actor
1: <laughs> um and also mall he was in mall he's the guy that stares at the painting i think oh well he and sean william scott probably met there <laughs> that's actually weird because ethan Suplee is one of those guys that like n- does not seem like he has aged ever um you know what i mean like he looks ex- yeah. like in mall rats the exact same way he looks right now he actually looks better now he lost like a bunch he of looks weight better
3: and younger now yeah i've been watching
1: <laughs> you're just like is he the one he's he's your celebrity stalking crush you would yeah outside in his bushes <laughs> no that's clearly sean william scott that's <laughs> <laughs> true i have not been paying attention well enough to all the clues you've been dropping um it cost $80 million to make and only
2: grossed $98 million at the box office. So didn't do super hot. He sounds positive to me. Sounds like a net positive for the studio. And once they get the, you're not even talking about the money that they made off of the animated series, which I think ran for most of one season. <laughs> that's got to be hundreds of dollars right there. So, mm. well, yeah, I mean, most
1: reviewers um, came to the same assessment as you, they kind of labeled it as an
2: unsuccessful remake of ghostbusters. Yeah. And I think that's where my argument begins. Okay. Because I think that's why this is an important movie because similar to what Andrew's saying, I'm sympathetic as we've talked about to his his um some of his thoughts here, mainly that to me this typifies a movie from like this time period. Mm-hmm. In terms of it is literally based on something from the past that they're trying to recreate like one to one, and nothing drives home the power and beauty and kind of just genuineness of a Sean William Scott performance than putting him up against David Duchovny, who is exuding the opposite of charisma for the entire movie <laughs> because he's trying to be like the. Loof, kind of an asshole Bill Marie cool guy energy and it does not work. Mm. So he just seems like he's an asshole. Um, and I like Orlando Jones, but his character is made in a weird throwback Ghostbusters way, like very horny for like students who he is teaching. And he also like coaches a women's volleyball team. And he's like, yeah, division three. And he's just like made to be creepy. And this was like right before movies could give women like real personalities. So Julianne Moore works for the CDC, um, And it explains a lot about our current situation that her whole thing is like to make it okay that she's smart. They do the thing from like 90s and early 2000s movies where they make her really like ditzy and klutzy. So she's literally constantly falling down (laughs) (laughs) like the entire movie. But she's also supposed to be like a genius. But that's like too much. Yeah.
1: You know, what's interesting, though, I I read is that um, that decision was Julianne Moore's to make the character clumsy, which goes to show you that like before she did that, the character had probably had like no, no personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh just to catch you guys up, though, anybody who, listening who has never seen this movie, here's a quick description from Julian Reichel on IMDb. It takes place in Glen Canyon, Arizona.
2: Very important to know yeah. the city. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, they do go to a mall, so it's important to know what mall when you're doing a Sean William Scott yeah, that's tour. That's very true. You want to he's stop very that particular about it's the, the malls. The one mall in New Jersey, and then it was this mall from Evolution. So uh, the movie opens up though
1: with SWS uh, practicing at night in the desert for his upcoming fireman's exam. Despite all the warnings, she was smoking in bed.
3: Fell asleep. Bad move.
2: Yeah, it's a big again. Typifying the arrow when this is made, it's a big joke when they um, in the mornings like a meteor hits, and that's the meteor that has aliens on it. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for this movie. Um, and when he's explaining in the morning what he was doing he has this like doll that he was practicing with and everybody's just like oh yeah you were definitely like fucking that doll out here <laughs> that's okay man that's what we do in Glen Canyon Arizona yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like a very hilarious that everybody's like oh sure you were practicing for your fire exam Yeah. Um, and he also is on the phone with his um, insurance company and says my personal favorite quote of the movie again very applicable to our times because um, he's talking about getting his car claim processed and they apparently tell him about force majeure which means like uh, an act of god Mm -hmm. and he screams force majeure my ass (laughs) hey and that's very relatable the next day biology teacher Dr. Ira
1: Kane and geology teacher Harry Block from Glen Canyon Community College managed to get to the crashed meteorite you mentioned which is stuck in the ground at the bottom of a cave. By taking a sample, they discover a slimy blue fluid coming out of the meteorite. A little later, Ira Kane finds out that myriads of single-cell forms dwell in the fluid, evolving at an incredible rate, even while he's watching. What first seems like a sure ticket to Sweden for the Nobel Prize soon develops into a nightmare. By evolving and adapting at that unbelievably fast rate, the aliens start spreading out and the military comes in. Uh, now it all comes down to what darwin is so rightfully stated survival of the fittest <laughs> uh, a lot
2: of editorializing <laughs> yeah. going on in this.
1: <laughs> and, and it just ends this review also just ends End no good idea in sight dot 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 um okay julian Reichel. Yeah,
3: julian is a little uh flowery with his yeah. sometimes yeah this meteorite
2: has pr- these aliens are here they're evolving super super fast um, in a, a truly a pivotal moment in the plot in like I don't know it's like movie writing done right technically but it just this is very stupid the whole thing that happens is that uh Orlando I keep wanting to call him Orlando Bloom um <laughs> Orlando Jones gets um like the this bug that is in his suit something in my you're suit. not believe him he openly admitted to hacking into our computer Something in file. my suit Did you do that?
3: Harry Did what I there's something in my suit It's impossible it is sealed <laughs> the
2: phone! And then it goes up his butt and they have to remove it with forceps because, again, what a hilarious idea mm-hmm. that something could be in your butt. <laughs> um, but then they um, eventually figure out, in part because, so in this in the beginning scene, to show, similar again, to go for that Ghostbusters energy, to show that... Um, David Duchovny is like cool and like not like a serious teacher he talks about how he just gave everybody A's on their th- their like tests and he didn't care mm-hmm. except for the guy you mentioned Ethan Supley mm-hmm. and his brother who are the dumbest people in the world and for their college class have turned in an essay about cells that is about how they don't like cells because their uncle is stuck in one <laughs> and then David Duchovny mocks them for having a family member. <laughs> In prison, <laughs> and has given them and only them C minuses. And they are the people who figure out the pivotal turn, which is that the monsters are, uh, v- you know, vulnerable to selenium. And they need to spray head and shoulders because that has selenium in it on the alien, which they do by going up the alien's butt in an act of vengeance. And who is there to facilitate that act of vengeance with the fire truck he's learned to operate and knows so well? Sean William Scott mm, character. And arc, I think the fact development. That, that, Love it. that this movie is so bad, <laughs> it really shows you how much he's holding it up. And these things, I think both of what we're talking about are derivative, right? Like derivative of Ghostbusters or derivative of that um. B- beavis and butthead script mm-hmm. but i think to me this is like a very critical link in why movies like this don't get made anymore <laughs> yeah because like it is just the same idea as ghostbusters done much much more poorly <laughs> um and so within this um shit storm the diamond of sean william scott shines brighter than ever Mm. and he really does anchor it and is again the only person who's given like a likable motivation um there's an entire scene where to show what it's like to work as a pool boy a guy is yelling at him about the dampness of the towels, and he says something (laughs) where he's like the dampness of my towels is your problem and you know i think that's relatable to a lot of millennials who the best we can hope is to have some rich guy let us get you know work for five dollars an hour to be a towel de-dampener
3: um or a towel re-dampener. I don't know. Jobs need to create other yeah. jobs.
1: <laughs> I had two people on my staff. One towel dampener, one towel redampener. <laughs> I want my towels exactly as damp as they need to be. So here's some interesting facts though about this movie. Uh, from I found this on IMDb. David Duchovny turned down a role in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones to appear in this movie, which is like he just traded like one movie of the exact same quality with the other. Except, I mean, I mean, I don't know how well Episode Two did in theaters, but those movies I think were like they were fucking like everywhere and and in, in everything. So. He probably lost out on a lot of money. Sorry, David. Um.
3: <laughs> he might not do it for the money. Okay.
1: He did it for the art of
3: making a shitty Ghostbusters reboot. They might have said, "In Star Wars, you need to be empathetic," and he said, "Hard pass, <laughs> fuckos." I'll just be pathetic. <laughs> and then the and then this movie opened wide up, like Moses was parting them cheeks. What,
2: what do you think that it was? They wanted him to be like. Um, Watto, is that the guy or like one of the characters or jar jar, jar jar like one of the characters Banks. that's like racially Can he's like no uh, and and so that's why he did evolution is he was like oh i can't just say no i have to tell him i'm doing something else he's like
3: yeah i can't do that it's uh uh <laughs> david du being like oh yeah you know uh misas jar jar binks all that shit you be like what the? i fuck? guess
2: i'll take all your money because i'm some kind of space jew <laughs> 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 or whatever Watto's lines are is that the guy's name <laughs> um, yes
3: Okay. a pivotal character in the nintendo 64 star wars pod racing video right game. All right,
1: right mm. right
3: well as you mentioned uh before the
1: element selenium is what they find to be able to kill these aliens they find it in head and shoulder shampoo actually the two dumb guys discover that yeah. um, and
3: to say about the two dumb guys one The one who's not Ethan Supple is also a dumb guy in Dude, Where's My Car? He's part of the space cult. So he is Ooh, in both he's, movies. He's the unifier. Mm. Yes, him and Sean William Scott. He is the architect. Taken, <laughs> yeah, have taken many a long hike together uh, to use a metaphor no one's used
2: before. <laughs> so guys, are you talking about them getting high during the shoot? Because sure, I guess that seems reasonable. So
3: taking a hike on the mountain side of the journey of life. Mm. Interesting. Huh. Um, Shibby.
1: <laughs> so what's interesting though, what uh, so they find that the element selenium as the solution, right? What's interesting is that selenium is also referenced in Ghostbusters. Ah, so hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's like critics were like. Oh, you know, selenium, a Reitman can't escape the traps of of his original
2: ideas or something like that. Or does the Reitman family own like the selenium mine somewhere <laughs> yeah. in upstate Pennsylvania? And so in every movie, he's like, yeah, if I just put this in there, 18% more people will find and use this mineral. So apparently
1: Scott Bakula, Billy Crystal and Timothy Hutton were all considered for SWS's part. Orgy? <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. That's insane because I can't imagine any of them doing it because everybody else is like so like old that like, yeah, he, he's like where the energy comes from. Can you
1: imagine Billy Crystal in this part? It's like, well, you know, only
2: can... if they gave him a wig like a Sean William Scott wig <laughs> and he was pretending to be young, then I think it would be the best movie of <laughs> yes. all time. Yeah, I got to get ready for my fireman's exam. It starts in
1: seven minutes. <laughs> um so Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, Richard Donner, Sam Raimi, and John Landis were all considered. All killed to direct themselves
2: while watching this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, they were all considered to direct this movie before Ivan Reitman
3: took over. Sam Raimi would have killed it.
2: I'm really glad that it wasn't Landis because he could have potentially. There, there are helicopters in this movie, and he has a checkered track record with murdering uh, people with helicopters. Oh, yeah. Didn't and, that kid uh, fall out of a helicopter in one of his movies? No, the helicopter fell on top of two kids and another guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, they got the shot. What what I think is interesting about that this list, though, is that, you know, this movie
1: didn't become a comedy until Reitman took over. So could you imagine, like a
2: Sam Raimi horror version of this. Yes. S- Sam Raimi would do it so much better. Cause they definitely, they like were like, Oh yeah, it's a funny movie, but Ivan Reitman doesn't know how to do that in a way. Like the campiness of evil dead would have been perfect, mm-hmm. but instead it's all these like gags that like were old at the time. And like a lot of stuff like between when Orlando Jones and um, David Duchovny, like drive up to, the like army place for the first time once they've taken over the site they have this whole thing where Orlando Jones starts to like get mad at the guys mm-hmm. and then David Duchovny's like no no calm down like uh, basically it's like I'll show you how the white man does it like yeah. all cool and I was like what, what the fuck? What stereotypes <laughs> are we even dealing with here and the idea yeah I don't know it says like a lot about the country I guess but like the idea of being like oh yeah the you know like oh the black guy he always wants to like fight Uh, people with guns and also a huge turning point in the movie is that a guy tries to pull a pistol and kill David Duchovny in revenge because he developed an anti-malaria or anti-polio treatment that gave everyone explosive diarrhea could you be more specific well it was a wide range of things it's very technical I'd hate to waste the court's time getting into it right now humor me some uh Debilitating stomach cramps, severe diarrhea, memory loss.
0: Yes. Go on. Any more symptoms?
2: Partial facial paralysis, temporary blindness, drooling, bleeding gums, erectile dysfunction, uncontrollable flatulence. Uh, And (laughs) apparently diarrhea is so bad that this guy, a soldier who has recovered and has been living for years with this in the rear view... It wants to kill David Duchovny because of the (laughs) agony that this caused. And um, again, against all of that, Sean William Scott actually brings like genuine humor to the movie. And so I think it speaks to his talents as an actor
1: um so on wikipedia it said that as you mentioned as well max evolution was made into an animated series called alienators colon evolution continues
3: and it continues in someone's colon right yeah <laughs> that's all the ass humor
1: <laughs> it's all it's every every creature they encounter is just shaped like a butthole
2: <laughs> that's actually a decent better summation of the movie than the one that you read <laughs> <laughs> Um, it ran up Fox Kids for 2001-2002. I don't think I ever watched it, though it does linger in the back of my mind. I may have seen an episode of it or two. I feel like I watched everything that was on TV targeted at me at that point in my life. So mm-hmm. I definitely watched it, but I have no impression. It's not like the Godzilla animated series where I like have that burned oh, in my brain in yes. a weird way and Godzuki flying around.
1: So also, the movie supports the theory of panspermia. That's the hypothesis that life exists throughout the universe, distributed by space dust, meteoroids, asteroids, comets, planetoids, and also by spacecraft carrying unintended contamination by microorganisms. This is awesome. I love this theory. You love Scientology? (laughs) Is that what
2: this is, Scientology is based on? The idea of space dust falling into a volcano when Xenu is in charge? Eh, more, more more, like space planes, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think I'm sure Ivan Reitman worked really hard to get that science removed from the movie, and he was <laughs> unsuccessful. Um, if it had been up to him, I'm sure it would have been some other sort of head and shoulders tie-in. that <laughs> caused the... Aliens to land, or it would have been
3: yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted that this is a scientifically flawless movie. <laughs> Did he Tyson's really... chicken? Yes, Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson's chicken.
2: Mm-hmm. Quantum chicken. You eat it, and you're either full or not.
1: <laughs> um, yeah,
2: I I love the idea of a shampoo bottle shaped universe.
3: That was the pull quote from Evolution, right?
2: You got to turn the bottle upside down and tell the universe that you can get all of it
1: before. <laughs> Um, All right, so I'm going to have you guys make our our final judgment and make some closing arguments. But first, let's just hear a word from our sponsors.
2: This episode has been brought to you by Sean Williams Scotch, the only stiff drink stiff enough for Stiffler. Get a stiff one in your stiffy, you stiff piece of shit, and then go fuck some pie. Sean Williams Scotch is brewed exclusively at the Tempest, New Jersey home of a very sad Scotsman. Sean William Scotch is why I crashed my boat into my car, officer. And that's why you can't charge me with anything but having a good time.
3: Evan Williams gets you drunk. Sean Williams Scotch gets you fucked up. Drink it, or else. Disclaimer, the or else means you won't be as drunk as you think you can be. By getting super drunk and putting on beer goggles, everyone looks like a MILF. Therefore, you're always hard by drinking. We put Viagra in every single brown bottle
2: sean williams scotch is the official beverage of sean williams by scott the most exclusive sean williams scott sex festival in all of part of austin we're proud to announce a further partnership with sean williams scotch guard which you spray on your clothes when you want them to be stiff and weird
3: John, John, William Scott,
2: just as a concept. Think about it paid for by the council for a more confusing America.
3: Damn,
2: that exclusive interview with Joe Biden will air after this interview with Sean, Williams Scott.
1: All right, welcome back. And we're in our final segment here where we are going to make our, fi- our closing arguments and a final judgment about which Sean William Scott, or as we lovingly refer to him, SWS, which of his two classic movies should be entered into the ultimate lasting record of all human pop culture, either Evolution or Dude, Where's My Car? So since Andrew went first, Max, I'll ask you to go first this time. Just in summation, why do you think Evolution is the ultimate representation of what a Sean William Scott movie is.
2: Um, Yeah. Well, I think, as I said before, I think it's the ultimate representation of kind of what big budget comedy was at this time. And uh, to be able to see the sharp and deep and real failures of that, uh, but again, all held up by the connective tissue of Sean William Scott's rippling musculature um, as he truly carries this movie on his back and throws its alien carcass into a pile of head and shoulders where it explodes. Um, and I you know, would just like to take this final opportunity to remind you that my opponent is a liar and a charlatan and an idiot and nothing that he says can be trusted. He's coming up on 30 seconds
3: to. there, Pete. So what was the timeline for these? Because it, like it sounds like it's coming up on time. It like, like I'm being interrupted normally. That means you get be, some like, time back. 30, no, uh, I'll reclaim his time because I think he went over. Well, time is, has no meaning at this point, anyway, so I will give you all. And well, I'll it continue for now. a couple more
1: hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, um, your response Why
3: is Dude, Where's My Car
1: the ultimate representation of an SWS flick?
3: First, I would like to thank you as a moderator and thank my opponent mm. who came to some lowly attacks that uh, are beneath me, just like my poop. Uh, when it's in the toity and i would say strong
2: dude... opening by mentioning poop
3: okay i get 25 more seconds because he keeps interrupting <laughs> me i was got a real roll with there with that poop stuff uh dude wears my car is a movie that represents sean williams scott in a light that he rarely got to do not only was he in the top billing probably number one on the call sheet uh or number two but definitely not number three so he's he's it's he's on the cover and that's his rightful place, but so rarely does he come and meet people where he deserves. They only let him be where they think he belongs. In this movie, he plays a genius in an abusive relationship, and through his cunning wisdom, and intellect, the movie is saved while providing comedic levity in a time when we needed it the most.
1: Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Perfect.
3: It's both both came out before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we needed something to cling on to (laughs) when 9-11 happened. The Star Trek
2: has no point in this discussion. And also you said that Sean William Scott has trouble coming and I'd like to take issue with that.
0: Enough bickering. It has come time for the final judgment.
1: Well, xanthor we probably should tell them full disclosure guys uh xanthor and i have actually never seen dude where's my car <laughs> bias judgment yeah but you know this is my fucking podcast <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm on a power trip and i say you fuck everybody <laughs> fuck you guys i hate
3: no <laughs> have a nice trip see you next fall if you I, know what i mean
1: i mean there is, though, there are some strong points brett spinner is in it data you know yes. i love data
2: um, though he was so embarrassed about it initially, he did go uncredited. Yeah, you are referring to him as Data and not as Pierre the Ostrich Farmer. So I think we know which role kind of defines hey, his, his
3: role career. in Independence Day. Uh, oh, wow. I mean,
1: honestly, like top five cameos of all film history right there.
3: And that's what's going to be saved in the ethos of time forever. False.
0: The decision has been made and the lasting record of all of sean william scott's career will be manifest in the movie evolution yeah
2: a victory for sean william scott above all else
0: i love ensemble movies they're highly entertaining
3: you still have time to reconsider <laughs> you can still choose dude where's my car you're not in love mm. you're not in love this with guy's, your decision
0: guy's cutting you off yes indeed
2: Cut, cutting you off telling you what you should think
0: that is quite an interesting point now that I have had time to reconsider my decision, I am going to choose Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> this is bullshit. This is lies and fucking bullshit. Dude, Where's My Car will be entered into the ultimate reckoning of human culture.
2: You're about to enter into your ultimate reckoning. <laughs>
3: yes, yes, a movie that hasn't been seen is one. Ah. Uh, a justified victory. Now,
2: just really quick, I just want to mention, just want to mention in the spirit of fairness that you do have time to reconsider your reconsideration. Ooh. Oh,
3: don't don't even think about that. That's not I mean, even there true. There just is
2: plenty of time. I said,
3: time was hmm. up, I thought.
2: No, no, it's not my, my call. Another
0: interesting proposition. Hmm.
1: Oh, whose call is, I thought, is the timer on? Oh, uh, no, I forgot to turn it on. Sorry, Max.
0: Um, well, <laughs> then I suppose I cannot reconsider. Uh,
1: so for all you SWS heads out there, know that if, you, if you're like me and you've, you've never seen Dude Wears Your Car, you fucking Dude Wears Your Car. Watch that movie. See <laughs> so
2: you're, you're denouncing yourself.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, the movie Dude Wears Your Car. <laughs> and that's all we'll leave it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, catch you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you once again for giving legitimacy to our endeavor by committing around an hour of your time that you can never get back. Though in the grand scheme of celestial history, that doesn't even really mean much anyway, does it? For more from Max, follow him on all social media at Zamnosflow. That is X-A-M-N-O-S-F-L-O-W. And listen to MGL Radio on Spotify. For more from Andrew, follow him everywhere at Andrew Hall Pass. And check out his podcast, High, Bye, and Ready to Die. Our theme music was composed by Yoki Danov. Our special segment was produced by the Midnight Gardeners League. This episode was produced by my co-host, Pete Musto, who you can follow at TryTheLandCrab on Twitter and at BadassWizard on Instagram. Finally, we humbly request once again that you please subscribe to Is More on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and write a review. Follow us at Is More Podcast on Instagram and Is More One on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for guests or debate topics, please email us at WitchesMorePodcast at gmail.com. And never give up hope that your favorite things about being human will make the cut and last forever, long after you're nothing more than cosmic dust.
3: An MGL production.